0: Are now listening to Pursuit Cast, the official podcast for of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Pursuit Cast, the official podcast for Pursuit NYC. And even though we're snowed in and um, miles away, thanks to technology, uh, I have a very special guest with me uh, this afternoon. His name is Eric Pfeiffer from 3DM. Um, Hey, Eric, how are you? I'm doing great,
1: Sam. Thanks for having me on your podcast.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for taking time um, out of your schedule to come and just hang out with us. Um, I believe you're currently at a conference. Is that right?
1: Uh, I'm actually in between a variety of training events uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, currently.
0: Cool. Uh, so if you could just uh, share with the listeners of who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, well, um, I uh, have been a pastor for you know, almost 15 years now. And, um, and over the last probably eight years have spent more and more time taking the things that I, together with a lot of other leaders, are learning about local ministry, whether it's leadership, mission, discipleship. Um, and sharing those learnings with other leaders who are trying to get traction in those various areas in their own local context.
0: Great. Um, I met you a couple years ago at one of those training events. Uh, maybe you could kind of share on on what you train the leaders and the local pastors on at those type of events.
1: Yeah, well, I, I do a variety of different kinds of training. I, I, I work with... Um, Within the th- world of 3DM, which is an organization that really focuses on training leaders in uh, vocabulary, the, the value and importance of, um, of, of of offering consistent vocabulary within their context because we know that words shape worlds. That's the way we, we say it. Um, we also train leaders in the particular tools that help, people to remember the words but really it's not the words that are magical it's it's helping people to um, engage practically with biblical principles values and patterns of operation that help them become more and more the conduits through which God's kingdom can uh, move through and then we also train leaders in various vehicles um, different practices that help them to cultivate the culture that they're feeling called toward.
0: I, I know that uh, a lot of the things that, that you guys have highlighted at those training sessions and stuff was like that was creating the culture of different rhythms and, and especially missional communities. Uh, could you speak on those things real quick?
1: Yeah, I think missional community for for me um, is is really one vehicle um, uh, amongst many that are meant to empower people to engage with others. Um, in the missional adventure. Obviously, we know from the scriptural record that God didn't create people to live alone and, 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 and operate alone. And so missional communities is really a vehicle that helps people to understand what it means to engage together within the context of what the Bible calls oikos, which is just the Greek word for extended family. Mm. And, um, but also how to develop the kinds of predictable patterns, rhythms of life that help that community in various ways engage in their relationship with God, engage in their relationship with each other, and um, and in that way to be able to move out um, as a community to engage in the world around them in various missional um, expressions.
0: Great. Maybe you could go ahead and, and define missional community as well. I know I think that was one of the challenges for myself personally um, as I learned more about this particular vehicle, um, you know, there's small groups and you know discipleship classes and and how they differ and and what it exactly is. I guess if you could kind of I- expand on that a little.
1: Yeah, I think missional community it became a a phrase that I think became in vogue over the last five to ten years, and I think it was it was in an attempt to differentiate the values that we experience, for example, in a weekend service setting where the predominant um, connection for people is what we call the upward dimension, which is our our relationship with God. Amazing corporate worship, corporate teaching. We're, We're gathered maybe with with, you know, tens or fifties or hundreds or sometimes even thousands of people. Um, But there are limitations in uh, other areas that we can experience. So, for example, you know, over the last 30 plus years, we've seen the small group revolution take hold of the church. and That was just people responding to the need for more intimate relational connectivity, Mm -hmm. um, which which, you know, there is a limitation to what you can experience uh, in that area in a Sunday worship setting. And especially as churches have gotten larger in their weekend services, uh, and, and so the small group uh, vehicle really afforded people an opportunity to get to know each other, to to know and be known, is the, one of the ways we say it. Um, and it, it really um, it cultivated the what we call the in dimension, where people are learning how to care for each other and um, how to support one another. Um, and yet, we, I think what we we have found. Um, through the voices of people like Alan Hirsch and Neil Cole and a whole host of other kind of missional or I should say uh, missional prophets, that's kind of what I call these guys mm-hmm. um, is they they were challenging the the, the church to recognize that um, that in the weekend celebrations and even in small group expression, though both are fantastic, there was there was the missing of the out dimension, which is how do we actually, um, become mobilized to engage the world in more um, in more missional effort and and so I think the missional community is, is is a phrase I think there's other mid-sized communities um, I think people house churches cell groups there are a variety of different vehicles or names for these kinds of expressions I think missional community quite frankly it is uh, it, it, it just says what it is it's a community that is focused um, on being on mission and so I think missional community is um, it is is really just a group of people that are committed not just to the up and the in dimension, but are committed together in the out dimension. Now, you know, if you talk to Hugh Halter or you talk to the folks up in the 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 Soma community, um, the world of 3DM, you're going to get a whole lot of different specific definitions or articulations of what are the nuances of what a missional community is. Some people think it should be 8 to 10 people. Other people believe it should be um, larger groups. What kind of activities are um, engaged within that context obviously vary from one place to another. And I, I, I prefer to encourage people that um, I, I think we have to uh, consider a couple of things. Number one what um, <clears throat> In our attempt to move from the biblical principles uh, of oikos that we find in the New Testament um, to practices of the missional life through community, I think we have to make room for a variety of expressions of what mm-hmm. that look like. Because sometimes we get we, we get to a place where we're putting everything into a box and there's only one right way to do it. But I think we would all agree that um, that oftentimes just the context we find ourselves. Um, will begin to shape how it is that we operate. So, for example, in, in, in my wife's and my and our family's experience, um, we've um, led and been a part of missional communities that have been 10 to 15 people. And for the context, for the house that we were meeting in, for the things that we were engaged in, that was absolutely the right size. And in other contexts, mm-hmm. we'd have 40 to 50 people. And again, the context um, and the mission that we were engaged in often shaped the size more than anything else. And then over the years as well, what the, the different activities that we engage with in the context of our mission community um, will, will shift based on the needs of that particular community. But what I, what I often come back to is the, the simple triangle that we train people in through the 3DM toolkit that basically says every missional community Um, as a gathering of people who are both blood and non-blood related Mm -hmm. committed to the three disciplines of, you know, living the up life, the in life and the out life. Um, And, uh, and and I don't know that I have found a a group like that engaged in those three dimensions that I wouldn't uh, call a missional community.
0: Yeah, that's good. I I think, I think like you're saying, um, you know, too often people are very robotic or rigid and, and put it in a box, you know, like, you know, um, so it is or it isn't. But um, I think your 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 definition just makes it a lot more fluid. And, and it just comes down to simply, you know, being a family, in Oikas and being on mission.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Great. How, how did you first get involved in, in teaching and, and modeling this and, and leading this? Because it's so different, I feel like, uh, at least from my personal background, with with church of of just being a Sunday gathering, you know um,
1: yeah, it's a great question um I've, I've shared the story so many times, so I'll, I'll share it in brief form here, and then you can mine out any uh, details that you mm-hmm. might. Interested in him. Um, I, I had met Jesus uh, in my high school years, but n- didn't really know what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And after I graduated college, my older brother, um, who was living with a, 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 um, maybe about eight other young men uh, in a condo in San Diego, invited me to come and live with them. I, I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time, but agreed because I couldn't think of a better option than living in sunny San Diego for a season. Mm -hmm. And so I I moved in with them and they were all Christians and I was not, uh, would not have called myself that then, but they welcomed me in. Uh, I shared a room with another young man named uh, Josh uh, Rhodes, uh, who has now become a very good friend. But just living in the household, um, I, I began to see the, the kind of lifestyle they were living, and um, and was deeply impacted by um, not their words because they never preached at me, they never um, tried to persuade me and or try to convince me to go to a Bible study or you know make me to pray some prayer. But they lived a life that was so compelling. Uh, in their relationships with one another, the way they handled women, the way that they engaged with the the local uh, condo complex, um, the way they had conversations, the way that they encouraged one another. And, And after about five or six months, I was overwhelmed by the way God was revealing himself to me through them, and I had a powerful conversion experience, and interestingly enough, the the first thing um, uh, that I did was not to go find a church and start going to weekend services. I'm a huge proponent of the the church in all of its expressions, but that just wasn't my experience. Actually, um, my experience of what it meant to be the church was primarily shaped by living in this household with these other uh, friends, um, some who were blood, my older brother, relative, and some who were just now spiritual family, um, and then an, an extended community of people who were connected to these guys that I was living with. And so I, I learned what it meant to share meals together. I learned what it meant to um, to, 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 to uh, engage with regular daily disciplines of reading scripture and prayer. Um, I learned what it meant to engage missionally in our condo complex and, and beyond. Um, and, and, and it was really about, I think, about a year maybe or more of living this way um, before I ever went um, to a church on a Sunday morning and so that shaped my understanding of what it meant to be a Christian of what it meant to be a part of the church um, and that I think became something that regardless of of what church I worked in and, and I would say the same would go for all of these other um, people that I lived with it, it seemed that you know no matter how great the church services were no matter how great a small group was no matter um, you know how involved we were, whether we were on church staffs or you know involved in other careers. I think we all found ourselves in the following years longing for that experience again. And and, and so then, you know, a short time later, we moved to Los Angeles, and uh, I went on staff at a at a church in Paramount, um, in a in kind of southeast San Diego or south south yeah southern I mean sorry southern Los Angeles. And um, no matter what my wife and I did um, in terms of the, the programming of, of church for a young adult ministry that we were uh, responsible for, we, we found ourselves, again, turning our own home into a place where people could orbit through in different ways. We found ourselves sharing meals with the people that we were leading, investing in, reaching out to. We found ourselves um, you know, again, practicing these regular rhythms of prayer and scripture reading and mm-hmm. and community and, you know, the most effective forms of mission that we engaged with in that season in Los Angeles were really as we as a community, just not just reaching out into the, the local neighborhoods, but really creating space for people who didn't know Jesus yet to participate in this ever-growing extended family spiritual, ex- extended family mm-hmm. experience. And we saw um, uh, many more people come to faith uh, in that setting than we did through um, our various outreach programs, than we did through, you know, um, evangelistic uh, preaching series. Um, but really as mm-hmm. people were exposed to this spiritual extended family in the same way that I was in San Diego, I think they were compelled by a vision of what mm-hmm. I think God created us for. I think, you know, just a just a quick kind of caveat, just to say that I think the, the print the biblical principles of missional community or that Greek word oikos are just rooted in the creation story. God creates Adam and Eve and tells them to be fruitful and multiply. And and really the story of the Bible, in my estimation, is a story of a God who made humanity and then gave humanity the the preeminent vehicle through which we would function and flourish. And that vehicle was family. And so I think missional community really is nothing more than an attempt to rediscover and reconnect to um, a, a a basic expression of what it means to be human that people are naturally drawn to uh, regardless of their past or their present
0: no that's good I, th- I think the thing that that resonates most with me just listening to your story and just just rethinking and framing missional communities is that it's not so much about inviting someone to you know a church service on a weekend as much as it's you know, you going out and and, and being incarnational, you know, uh, being with them and inviting them not to uh, a service but into family, into community, and, and just seeing, you know, how much that speaks differently than than what we might just be used to uh, from church.
1: Uh, I couldn't agree with you, Sam. And, and I would even add on top of that that I think um, we either want to invite people. I think that the strategies, and, and these strategies have worked in, in many cases, but I think – as, um, as as all the statistics would suggest, the strategies that have gotten the church to where it is today are, are probably not going to be the strategies that get the church where God wants it to be in the next 20 or 30 years. And so the strategy of inviting people um, into a church um, is, is, is no longer as successful as it used to be. And the other strategy was that we would go out into the world and we would serve the world, but then we would withdraw from that world. And so it was either come come be with us on our terms or we're going to come to you, but just for a short time to give you something you might need and then to withdraw. And I think what we found was as we were learning to grow these, these missional communities or these extended spiritual families, we would go out together, And serve, but then what we what we had the ability to do was to invite people back into this extended family unit, Mm. and so it was uh, it was we found that really this idea of missional community, and we didn't even call it that back then, Um, we called it family life, which was really interesting. Um, But what we found in in doing that was, was that people were not only Um, compelled by how we were living out in the world around us but they were even more deeply compelled by an opportunity to experience this extended family because most people we know statistically Mm -hmm. even those who've grown up in the church grow up in in relatively broken, dysfunctional um, homes Um, and I think people are, are longing for a redeemed picture of what it means to be family.
0: No, that's good. Could you kind of um, share, I guess, what a typical rhythm would look like for a missional community?
1: Sure. Actually, interestingly enough, Sam, I'm not sure if I told you this, but I've been working over the last um, year and a half. And I can tell you it's it's been one of the greatest challenges of my life because I'm not mm-hmm. a writer. But I've been developing, my wife and I and, and a lot of friends have been developing what we're calling a missional community leader guide which is Mm -hmm. our attempt to not not to provide the way of missional community, but just to simply provide a way. And it's Mm -hmm. a way to reflects, you know, uh, years and years and many, many experiences worth of wisdom and best practices. So to 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 to, um, to just share with you a couple of the things that we that we offer in this this leader guide is we we encourage people that there are two basic rhythms that we want to encourage um, people to operate in. One is what we call the up and in rhythm. So if you think of a triangle, you think of the up dimension and then you think of one of the lower. Uh, points of the triangle as the in-dimension, you can draw a kind of a, a circle around those two and say that's one rhythm, the up-and-in rhythm. And that's a rhythm that we, we encourage leaders to engage with on a weekly basis, if possible, at least for the first nine months, um, because we know it takes time for things to become lifestyle and not just another program. And in these up-and-in gatherings, the, the focus is on really being a family, uh, engaging with God, and so establishing who we are, um, not just as individuals, but who we are as a spiritual family, um, and also engaging in what it looks like for us to care for each other, yeah. what, what it looks like for us to allow God to break into our midst so that we can become the kind of people through whom God can break into the world around us. And then we also encourage. Um, An in and out rhythm, so if you think of taking the, the in dimension or the in point of the triangle and, and then the remaining point would be the out dimension and just taking a, a circle and circling those two together. And the in and out dimension, again, is, is a way of saying, hey, we, we need to be intentional because what, what I have found in my own experience is that some people are more comfortable with the out-dimension of life, with the missional aspects of life than others. And so we we do a lot of, we encourage a lot of um, training um, in, in how to make mission a part of our life rather mm-hmm. than a, a duty or a task. Um,
0: yeah, or like a summer experience. Or, or so, like
1: or a summer experience. You got it. And so w- what we do in the up and in rhythms is develop a lot of simple practices or patterns that help us cultivate um... gospel testimony help us cultivate what it what it looks like for us first and foremost to be people who can share what god's doing in our life to be people who engage the good news of who jesus is um, and then we practice together what it looks like to listen and participate with god in the mission that he's inviting us into i mean one of the greatest Struggles for us when we think of mission is either you know it's an overseas mission trip or you got to be Billy Graham on a stage mm-hmm. somewhere and you know for a response, and those are great expressions. However, oftentimes what we forget is it's mission is not about what we go and do for God, mission is about us learning to engage with God and go with Him into the things that He's already preparing for us, wow, and so these systems so are really designed in some ways to cultivate a relationship with god even as a community where we learn how to participate with him in where he's already preparing a way for us in the world and that could look like in our neighborhood in our workplace it can look like you know in an urban context i mean it could be the 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 neighbor next door it could be you know somewhere 20 miles away that's less important to us than people learning how to hear what god is saying Mm-hmm. And how to respond uh, in the context of community?
0: Sure. Well, um, could you kind of share, I guess, an examples of of what an in an up and in rhythm would look like, and, and what uh, a simple expression of going um, out looks like? Sure.
1: Well, I'll give you the basic. Um, Pattern that we encourage people to start with, because we're big believers that it's nice to start with something to give people some tracks to run on, and then they have to recalibrate and um, and figure out what works best for their uh, extended spiritual family. But a basic up and in night would look like sharing a meal together. Mm-hmm. Then you would spend some time uh, giving thanks, um, and that could be as simple as just. Saying what's one thing you're thankful for, we, we we highly encourage people to move away from Christianese when they can, and to move away from trying to be spiritual, but to allow God to help us see that every area of our life. Is spiritual, And so mm-hmm. um, we, we give thanks for things. Um, we love including with, when there are children present, we include our kids in as much of this as possible. Um, so we give thanks for a short time. And then we sing songs. And we tell people all the time, they say, well, what if somebody who's not a Christian came to your missional community? And we say, well, it's nothing different than if you go to a football game. I mean, even today, you know, mm-hmm. the Broncos and the Patriots are playing each other. And I guarantee you in Mile High Stadium, there are people chanting, you know, for their favorite team. And um, and, and it, there's nothing wrong with singing songs that help us to celebrate who we are, what we're a part of, And, um, and to, to develop unity, then, then we'll take time and we do one of two things. We either break up into small groups and we take time to intentionally pray for each other uh, on a variety of different issues, or we'll do what we call a family devotion. And a family devotion is, is usually somebody in the family who is, is, is taking responsibility to share, um, from the family book, otherwise known as the Bible, Mm On some some principle biblical principle value story anything that helps the family learn more about what it means to be God's representative family on the earth and and then we usually finish the evening by taking a few minutes to 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 just you know if they've been in small groups they come back and we debrief is there anything that was shared in your small group that the rest of us need to hear about. And then we finish by praying for any of those things collectively. And sometimes it's, we're praying for somebody who's sick or wrestling with a a, a disease, or maybe we're praying for a breakthrough in somebody's job search or, you know, there's a a whole thing, you know, we really focus on praying for the -hmm. the real issues that are coming up. Um, and then we and then we just we, we dismiss and people who want to go go and people want to stay and hang out a bit stay and it, it never we 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 recommend that never takes more than an hour and a half formally, and in the first three months you find that doing that on a regular basis it feels a bit mechanical but after we find it, it's about a three or four month mark where it just you find that it's just it just becomes the way we we do things, mm-hmm. um, the in and out rhythms we we recommend two different kinds one is the Missional Community Leader Guide um, teaches people about how to develop what we call their mission vision, um, which is nothing more than helping the community to identify um, the passions that God has already deposited in them, the possessions that God has already entrusted to them, and to, to take those, and as they identify the problems, in, in going on in the world around them, um, that they would learn to leverage their passions and their possessions together to engage those particular problems, and 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 where those three converge, we we call that their mission vision. So we we encourage uh, missional communities to to at minimum at least once a month. Mm-hmm. At least as a starting point to engage in their mission vision, and then we also recommend that at least once a month they throw a party.
0: Yeah. And
1: um, we're not talking about parties of debauchery and craziness like <laughs> think of in you know the fraternity uh, style of the university campus, but we're we're really just talking about learning to leverage any reason for celebration to invite our network of friends and family members to come join us in the things that we do so it might be somebody's birthday it might be some a graduation party it might be i mean i tell people if it's just a hey it's friday and so we need to have a party but what we do is we encourage different members of our missional community to host these parties and it's just a time for us to get together have some food to drink whatever beverages are appropriate for your context to play games to to hang out and just to celebrate what it means to be uh, in relationship with one another. And we've found that just to become a very powerful context into which you can invite people who may not be open to your up-and-in gathering but would benefit from getting to meet the people that you're learning to do life with. And and we also encourage in those those parties um, a very kind of – um, light spirituality so no heavy handed prayers and you know and all that kind of stuff but, but really just to invite people into the relationships
0: good yeah i mean i think that was one of the things that stood out even at the training that i participated in was just so much emphasis on fun and celebration that oftentimes you know religion is is void of you know
1: i couldn't agree with you more sam one of the things that my wife and I always remind the, the missional communities that we're leading or the, the, the leaders that we're training is that when people engage with us, there, there has to be something compelling. And that whatever it is that's compelling it has to be more than just words that come out of our mouth. In other words, if, if we don't enjoy being together, other people aren't going to enjoy being with us. If we can't have fun together, other people won't find fun in our midst if, if we don't know how to genuinely care for each other if we if we don't know how to genuinely talk to each other and, and how to be together and um, then it will be very difficult for other people um, to engage and there will be probably little that would compel them to want to find more and like I said earlier we found that most of the people who come to faith through our missional community contacts have have all been people who have slowly but surely inched their way closer and closer into the relationships of our community and over time were the ones who took initiative to say i don't know what it is that you guys have but i want it and those become the moments where we get to introduce them to what makes all of this possible, and that's Jesus, mm-hmm. and to invite them not just to pray a prayer, um, not, 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 just to, not just to become, a, you know, go to the new members class per se, but really to say be- becoming a Christian is about being adopted into God's family. It's about being reconciled to God and his family, and we just tell them we're not a perfect family, but we are a living family, and mm-hmm. being reconciled to Jesus is part of being reconciled to this community. And um, and we've just found that people love it because, they, you know, they become Christians really as part of the process of them becoming a part of our extended spiritual family.
0: Great. Um, what, what are some of the challenges um, you faced in, in this approach, in this vehicle? Uh, I know so far we've been sharing it, and it seems like, oh, man, just – Start start doing this, and then you'll instantly see results. Uh, but what's what are some of the challenges that you yourself have run into um, in this in this model?
1: Oh, Sam, I could I could talk for hours on <laughs> <laughs> challenges. Um, I mean, there's so many. I mean, I'll just begin with me personally. I mean, just the challenge to me, to my wife, to our marriage, to our family, as we have for well over a decade, sought to lead and live this and model it and to grow in in it, Uh, I I can say that that some of the challenges are that it challenges my selfishness because I can't tell you how many weeks, you know, uh, we've never led missional community as part of one of our job responsibilities at, at a church. Uh, missional community has always been something that we have fought to live as just a part of our life and to model it as a way that anybody else could do regardless of what their vocation is. And so you know, you come home from a long day of work, you know, if your missional community is hosted on a weekday evening and, you know, sometimes the last thing you want to do is have, you know, 15 to 40 people coming over to share a meal with all their kids and the craziness and, you know, or the selfishness of not wanting to see one more glass of red wine spill uh-huh. on the carpet or chocolate smudged on our couch um you know, or sometimes just you know markers on a wall because you know we're engaged in some activity, and one of the children you know was was running loose um yeah. so just those challenges the challenges of energy, because you know again sometimes uh, especially for those introverts out there it can it can challenge our natural desire to want to take care of ourselves in those moments. And that's not bad, but it's yeah. obviously a challenge. The challenge is, I think, the, I'll tell you the biggest challenge I have found. Most people suggest in my conversations, most people suggest that the greatest difficulty to missional community is the mission. And I, 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 I gently disagree. And the reason is because, I think what we have found is when you spend enough consistent time with a variety of different families single people from different backgrounds and and different you know um, socioeconomic contexts and different spiritual backgrounds and, and different parenting styles and different ways of praying um, what you find actually is one of the most challenging things is learning how to build unity and how to, uh, extend grace and how uh, learning really how to deal with the dysfunctions that all human beings wrestle with, but to deal with the dysfunctions that will begin to emerge within that context because you can only hide them so long and being able to engage them intentionally uh, in a way that doesn't drive people out of the community, but also doesn't passively make room for that dysfunction within the community. Mm. And so what, what I guess I'd boil it down to is that the the responsibility of leadership to disciple people within that context is uh, is very challenging. I tell I tell people it's it really is the best parallel I can share is it, it's the it's the responsibility, in some ways, of of raising a family, of raising children. Not not because these people are all just going to be babies, but because we're, we're 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 having to train them and encourage them and help them learn a way of living that is consistent with the biblical values, principles, and practices that your missional community is. Fighting
0: for, yeah, that's good. Uh, I guess on the flip side, then, um, I mean, you shared a lot of the progress and 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 the great things that you've seen. Uh, but what 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 is I guess one story or one aspect that has been most rewarding for you personally?
1: Oh, this this one's an easy one. I think um, my my daughter is thirteen now, and my son is ten, and. I don't think they would be who they are or where they are developmentally in terms of their emotional maturity, spiritual, relational maturity um, had they not grown up in the context of extended family. I mean we, we we moved away from what would be home for us. Home for us is really Orange County, San Diego And for both my wife and I, and, you know, we, we moved to Los Angeles and then to Phoenix, Arizona, and then across the country where we live now in South Carolina. And, you know, in, in our current era where mobilization is just so easy, you know, we just, we move away from where we were born and, and it's, it's, it's just easy to lose family. It's easy to lose the, your grandparents and the aunts and uncles and cousins and, and, and really what we know uh, sociologically speaking, um, is an incredibly important context. You know, we know that we know the old adage: it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. We we know that, from statistics, that 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 when youth go off to college, that they say that statistically, um, for those youth. Who had somebody besides some other adults besides their own parents spiritually investing in them are statistically have a much greater chance of of preserving and, and growing in their faith as they leave home. And so I would say that you know people give my wife and I a lot of credit for who our kids are, and I, I would say that actually a lot of the credit goes to all of the spiritual grandpas and grandmas and aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters who have been a significant part of shaping who my daughter and my son understand themselves
0: to be. Just to kind of transition here, um, uh, just our ministry here at, at Pursuit, our our vision is to, is revival or bust? I mean, we just want to see uh, revival take place uh, where, where people are getting saved, people are in community, people are living out the mission and family and community. Um, how would you personally define revival?
1: That's a great question. And my, my older brother, who has worked for InterVarsity for a lot of years, is as passionate, if not more than anybody I know about
0: revival, <laughs>
1: We talk about it all the time, and I've read a lot of biographies and and the stories of the great revivals of history up to the present and the revivalists. And and here's what I would say, Sam. I think all of that is fantastic, and I don't want to diminish any of the different ways people would articulate or run after revival. But yeah. here's what I do know is that revival always, always, always begins first and foremost in the heart and the lives of people. Mm. And revival is something that has to move from inside of people, what God's doing in people, um, to what God wants to do uh, in in the community around them. And I think that, I mean, any story of any great revivalist, you always hear the story first of how God ravished their hearts, gave them an incredible passion for what God's doing and that is what compelled and motivated them to move out into the world around them. And so I think what, what we do is really fight to train people in how to cultivate what I call a revival lifestyle, a Mm -hmm. lifestyle of learning to engage with God, the father, son and Holy spirit. And in the context of community in such a way that our hearts are growing in the fires of love and compassion and grace and mercy, to want to see people reconciled to God and, and trained and mobilized to be a part of God's passion to restore all things. And, and so that, that would be kind of, I guess, my hopefully not too overly simplistic way of defining revival. You
0: no, know, it was great. Um, I, I think like you're saying, it, it, it starts with, with God just possessing someone with what's on his heart, and and, I mean, when that happens, you know, you can't just keep it to yourself, you know, like, you just can't hold it on to yourself, but it just starts moving, and and other people start catching uh, what God is already doing, and wanting to do uh, for people, like you're saying, not just institutions or services, but um, in the lives of people who don't know him yet, so.
1: Yeah, well, and here's the other thing, Sammy. It's it's an interesting image that God gave me a lot of years ago. I was actually on a mission trip in India, and in the state of Manipur, and I was in in a hotel room, um, or at least what they would call a hotel room. Mm -hmm. And I'm up late one night. The Lord's got me up, and I'm praying for revival, and and. is during a season. That's all I could pray for, and I remember the Lord giving me this incredible picture of the the what what would in in effect be the latter day rains. It was just this incredible torrential downpour of rain representing God's presence and power, and it was incredible and it was powerful, and nothing was left untouched. And yet, what was interesting in this image that God gave me the landscape of what I was looking at began to erode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what in some ways began as something powerful and incredible um, began to wash out. And, and and over a short time as this image progressed, um, the rains had ceased. And it you had seen the mark of what the rain had done, but you didn't see the water anywhere. And I remember that was a moment where God gave me this this picture of conduit. Mm. Um, and, and, and I remember the Lord saying to me that He wanted me to, to focus part of my work and it's become our family's work as well, is to learn how to establish the conduits in the lives of ourselves personally first and for others. Uh, And then for communities, so so that as the revival waters come down upon people, the conduits are able to capture that and to move that – that revival water with, uh, with particular purpose. And so that there's a kind of, it's like a twofold passion for me is to see revival and all the effects, incredible effects of revival cities and countries transformed. And yet also to make sure that people know how to sustain that kind of a life.
0: No, that's good. I I think, um, as you're sharing and, and just kind of bringing it, you know, full circle, um, is, is that conduit is the family you know like that oikos that the whole understanding that you know his kingdom like i mean because that's kind of revival it's his kingdom coming Um, that's the gospel that jesus preached and demonstrated and it's in the context of his kingdom which is also the context of his family you know like that and and that's just kind of what i'm sensing and just you know thinking about as you're sharing just kind of bringing it full circle is um, the, the oikos the family the missional community uh, you know whatever that looks like in, in in people's specific context, like that is the conduit for revival.
1: I, I, that, Sam, I've never said it that way or heard it said that way, but I couldn't have said it better, and I'm probably gonna share that um, with others, and I may forget to give you credit. So forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> we, we
0: could we could come back to the podcast and uh, and, and say that it was you because I'm just I'm just. You know, bringing full circle and 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 of yeah. what you're saying, so you could you don't have to credit me. I'm just summarizing <laughs> what you're saying. So,
1: well, you get credit in my mind, buddy. That was brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's that's just kind of what I'm sensing, um, what what God wants to do. Just because, you know, you can't separate revival from from God's family. You know, because that's what He wants to revive, and that's what He wants to expand, and that's what He wants to grow, um, is His kingdom and His family. So.
1: That's great.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Um, you know how can people find out more about you and your ministry, um, especially that resource that um, you and your team and your wife are, are working on and writing you know how would people find out about uh, those type of resources and more?
1: Absolutely um, we're, we're currently engaged in a, a variety of different projects um, that are that are giving us opportunity to um, leverage what we've been learning um, together with uh, other leaders because we're big believers that you know together we're better, and so we're constantly leveraging the 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 resources of a community for what we do. So one is people can go to three um, uh, d movements dot org, I believe it is or dot com. I think it's dot com. And um, at that website, they can find out more about three dm and all these brilliant tools and the language and the vehicles. Um, the missional Community Leader guide will be available I believe next month in february if really? not if not at latest, hopefully March, I think they're just working on the 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 the, the picture on the cover right now, and so that'll be available soon um, along with we've just launched missional community coaching which helps leaders from from any context they don't have to be vocational church leaders but leaders from any context who want to learn about how to how to start grow and multiply missional communities Um, and that runs uh, in tandem with the missional community leader guide and so they can find out more about that at um, leadingmcs.com I believe uh, which is a, a connected website to the 3DM website, and then my, my wife and I are also working with a group um, called 100M, 100M, which is with Alan Hirsch and Neil Cole, Dave Rhodes, uh, Will Mancini, um, you know, and a whole host of other people whose names just uh, slip my mind right mm-hmm. now. But really, working to help people um, in in a sense. Develop and cultivate a revival lifestyle within the organization uh, of what we currently call the church, and then we're also engaged in a project called uh, Unique, which uh, with Will Mancini and Dave Rhodes, where we're trying to develop resources that um, missional communities and and other types of groups could leverage again to cultivate these simple life, you know, biblical lifestyle principles. Um, so that they too can operate in a revival lifestyle.
0: Great. Um, and for those of you who are listening, um, I mean I'll we'll have all the links so that uh, people can look at it and find it easily. Um, and, yeah, well, thank you so much, Eric, for your time. Thank you for hanging out with us um, and just sharing your wisdom. and uh, uh, we should do it again for sure.
1: Sam, it was my pleasure. I'd love to join you anytime that it works for you.
0: All right. Thank you, Eric, and thank you for all those who are listening, um, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.